Welcome to No Time to Waste, the podcast that inspires and motivates us to maximize our moments. I'm your host, Allison Haddon. I'm battling terminal cancer, but I'm focused on living my best life as my best self every day. Join me as I chat with resilient adventurers, seekers, trailblazers, and exceptionally good humans as we explore what it means to live fully because there's no time to waste for all of us. Annabelle Gerwich is a writer, actress, and comedian whom I first recognized from TBS's Dinner in a Movie, which aired on Friday nights when I was in high school. But this past November, I read her most recent op-ed in the New York Times, and I was like, wait, what? Okay, so get this. Last summer, Annabelle had a little cough. She walked into an urgent care clinic in a mini mall for a COVID test, but walked out with a stage four metastatic lung cancer diagnosis. It's like freaking COVID saved her life. Well, dish, you know what I mean. She shared her story along with how she's now managing life with a chronic terminal illness. But I swear it's the same dry comedic wit I remember from her TBS days. It's Annabelle Gerwich for No Time to Waste. So yeah, welcome. Annabelle Gerwich. Allison, I, uh, you're, you're my soul sister. I, uh, am so happy to connect with you and, um, yeah. Yeah. When, um, I think it was your, your publicist reached out to me and was like, I think, um, you should consider, you know, a couple of these authors and I get those pretty frequently now. And usually I'm like, has nothing to do with anything like no no it's not about whether or not they're known or unknown it's it's more like is their content relevant and or do they have a story that's that's a standout and and I remember skimming it and going like Annabelle Gerwish and I was like she looks familiar and so I was born in 1980 so I remember (laughs) dinner and a movie on TBS on was it Friday nights or Saturday nights? Friday nights. Friday nights, yeah. and it, yeah, and it was you and some other guy, some dude. Uh, yeah, Paul, Paul Gilmartin. Yeah, he's he's a really good guy. Yeah, yeah, and I just I just recognized, and I was like, that's how I know her in yeah. terms of just your face. Yeah. And I was, yeah. and um, and then I I you know read that you had a new book coming out, and I was like, oh, that sounds funny. And then, though, I went a level deeper and I realized, oh, my God, what a story. Um, do you want it? Do you want? I mean, the headline is basically you went in for a COVID test last summer and came out essentially with a stage four lung cancer diagnosis. Is that- yeah, Allison, you know, when it, it's just a funny thing, and I, I, I feel like I'm, I, I, this is something you may relate to, but it is funny when I, I when I say funny, I don't mean like funny, ha ha, I mean funny, peculiar, right? Yeah. So yes. there's different kinds of funnies, right? And, and I'm a, you know, I deal in humor. I've lived in the comedy world for so long. This is a very particular kind of dark humor that, um, when I hear this story, sometimes I think, and when, when people introduce me or describe me, I think, 
God, who are they talking about? That's so fucked fucked up. Who did this happen to? I'm like, oh shit, that's me, right? It's it's sort of this really weird detachment that I have developed as a coping mechanism, and it's also you know part of how uh, comedy people do do their do comedy and is a certain kind of detachment because nothing is really funny until you have a little bit of distance from it. That's the saying. Uh, tragedy plus time plus comedy. What happened was, you know, uh, here we are during COVID in 2020, and uh, my kid had just graduated college, uh, COVID class of 2020. Uh, Ezra and I, my kid and I, and I'm I'm telling you this because of the chanciness of the fact that I'm sitting here with you right now. So first we go to Dodger Stadium, which is uh, the way it was set up was we would have done a, a COVID swab in our car, gone on our way. But the line was so long, we left Dodger Stadium. Then I called my primary care person, uh, the health clinic where I go, and they weren't doing COVID testing unless you had symptoms. And I said, well, I had this little cough, but it's really stupid. It's not, I can't, I feel guilty even saying I qualify for a test. So forget that. Go to an urgent care in a mini mall. It's like next to a beauty supply place. Like it's so rando. And we go there and we go to get the tests. And as part of the regular screening, they said, do you have any symptoms? Like, oh, I have this stupid little cough, but it's not a big deal. We get the, we get our COVID tests and uh, we get told the doctor wants to see us. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, this is before we find out it's negative. I'm like, oh shit, this isn't good. He comes in and he says, I really think you should have an x-ray of this cough. I don't feel sick. I, I'm like, this is like, you know, you go to buy moisturizer at the Mm -hmm. cosmetic counter and they sell you a whole line. It's, this is so stupid. But my kid says, well, mom, you know, you have been coughing. Normally, I'm really a curmudgeon and I'm very, like, you know, I I just, I don't know. I would have said no, but my kid mm-hmm. convinced me to do it. The doctor comes in and says, hey, hey, no problem. You're, you're fine. Uh, not, a, not an issue. Look at the x-ray. Go on your merry way. We're on the freeway home. My tire blows out. We're at the side of the freeway. And we're trying to call triple A. This is when we enter the zombie apocalypse movie Uh, because there's triple A is not answering because it's the pandemic. And I'm like, Oh my God, we're like in a zombie apocalypse movie. We're on the side of the freeway. There's no triple A. What the hell are we going to do? Then the phone rings again and it's the doctor from the urgent care and they're on a speaker phone because I had no idea this is coming. Mm-hmm. And my kid is right there with me. And had the doctor says, I made a terrible mistake. I read the wrong x-ray. There's a mass, a large mass on one of your lungs. And I'm like, okay, now I'm really in the zombie apocalypse movie. Right. And uh, he says, I think you should come back right away. It's like this kind of thing that you got of like you're in chase down in the parking lot. First, we thought it was something called valley fever, which, mm-hmm. you know, is this airborne disease that it's like a fungus. Months later, by, by the end of August in 2020, I got this 
uh, call from this, you know, further scan uh, from the oncologist saying it was, um, and he used a term, adenocarcinoma, which is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a term for cancer. And even then, I was in UCLA hospital with the doctor and my cousin, who I love so much. She is a, she's the social worker who Mm -hmm. is in charge of intake at UCLA. She's super amazing. She kept saying in this meeting, but it's not lung cancer, right? It's, it's this adenocarcinoma, like neither of us could hear it. And he kept saying, well, that's a kind of lung cancer. And she kept saying, but it's not lung cancer. And because of COVID, I can't even meet these people. I get sent to an on-call, I get sent to the real cancer specialist. And I'm on a Zoom and another friend of mine is on the Zoom with me because I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to hear from this first meeting. And the very first words are, I'm so sorry. We are going to do the best we can for you for as long as we can for you. I'm like, well, I've just gone from some kind of, you don't really have lung cancer. You've got this thing to there's cancer in both of your lungs. And we're going to do the best we can for you for Mm -hmm. as long as we can. I mean, it was just, you know, beyond. It was also depressing that I... I call, I, that's when I started doing what is really important if you're listening to this. And I know you know this already. If this is part, you know, if you're relating to this story, is like look for people who have what I have, right? Mm-hmm. Or what you have. So I just started calling everyone I knew saying, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Do you know anyone? Do you know anyone? And People did know people, and I ended up connecting with a guy named Frank, who was the ex-husband of one of my best friends. I mean, you know, it was like the mm-hmm. you put out the call, and uh, this guy Frank was really nice, and he said, "I want you to go and see this doctor. You should have a second opinion. He has the uh, he has the bedside manner of an open grave." I was like, okay. He said, but he's really good. So I go to see this doctor, Dr. Ronald Natali, who I see now, Cedar sinai Uh-oh, I just buried the lead. I just said that I see him now. But here was the thing. My sister's on the phone again, and she says the same question to this doctor. She says, my sister needs a mammogram. And he takes a minute, and he says to me, you know what? you should get that mammogram because I want you to be one of the people who lives with lung cancer long enough so you can get breast cancer. (laughs) I thought this guy is so dark. And he said this without any sense of irony. I was like, all right, that is the person I'm going to go and see. He's just going to give it to me straight. That is the most horrible thing. He wants me to live long enough so I could have a chance at breast cancer. Oh, what a new goal I have. Live long (laughs) enough to maybe get breast cancer. And I just thought, all right, I'm in. He then went through the history of lung cancer drugs and where we were at and where the science was at. And he just sort of gave me this frame of thinking that, I am my own science project now. Hmm. And I, I feel like that has, uh, 
that helps me to, you know, have a kind of detachment that I, that I, that I try to live with now. This has been a year now that I've been almost a year that I, since I got this diagnosis as we're recording this. And, you know, I've gone through these really big, and I'm sure I'll continue to go through really big um, emotions and roller coasters and just like sometimes flat out on the floor. Sometimes just uh, really like incredible joy. Like I've also found myself able to experience joy in a way that is almost like too much. Like just like I'll have these moments of like, look at that hummingbird outside my window. Oh my God. You know, like, so, but it, you know, at first I was having so much difficulty, even just thinking straight. My, my, the stress had me on such an overload that I was editing my book, You're Leaving When, which is out now. Funny thing about writing and comedy both, it's a confidence game that requires so much both confidence and then critical thinking. I lost confidence completely for a few months. I, I, I feel like I'm still repairing. This, this idea that I could be so wrong about the state of my being that there, that I, I just, I, driving became difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a, a car accident, uh, which wasn't, it was not even a big deal. Someone rear-ended my car as we were leaving a supermarket thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was not, it was not terrible. It wasn't even my fault, but then I got so panicked driving. I just felt like I couldn't trust myself. I, mm-hmm. I was so emotionally fragile and during COVID isolated and then feeling so vulnerable. I mean, it was just this double whammy of COVID cancer. It was so hard. I am super, super fortunate that I have friends and family and a wide network. I mean, this is the thing is that, you know, one of the intangibles that is very tangible when you're in a situation that you have a chronic health condition is the quality of your social network. And one of the things that's really been impressed upon me to me is that we who are lucky enough to have that, we have to help construct a fabric of support for others who don't have that. My goal in life right now is to, is, is cultivating my, my present time and being, being as present as possible. And how do I do that? And, you know, one of the things that I did as a, it was started out as an exercise for myself was you know, I launched this podcast. It's called Tiny Victories. Tiny Victories. Yeah, yes. I enjoy it. And to be honest, uh, it's a really cancer mind thing where um, one of the things about getting myself in present mind now experience is to think in a smaller uh, scale. So, mm-hmm. um I, the, the big is overwhelming to me now, everything big. 
So the idea was to, to, for myself, practice cultivating an appreciation of joy and small mercies that were available to me. You know, certain kinds of things were not and are not available to me. This was also started during COVID, but I, I really feel like this frame of mind is a really good frame of mind for anyone with a chronic illness because there's so many overwhelming things. So I enlisted the help of my friend, Laura House, who's a comedian and a meditation teacher, just cool. double whammy. And we decided to do this podcast and it's a short podcast. It's never longer than 15 minutes an episode, which is like, okay, great. It's part of our tiny thinking, right? And we just pick out things that we share stories that we've uh, heard from people. We have something we call the tiny victory hotline, which to me is a hilarious name of like the idea that a tiny victory could need a hotline. That just And I just picture, I up. picture a tiny phone. A tiny phone and a like tiny, a tiny old school <laughs> phone, and yeah. like you're you're picking it up from the the old school landlines and just yes. going hello, yes hello, and here's the tiny victory hotline number three two three two eight five sixteen seventy five. So people, someone called once and said she was so proud because she got a C in a class she was taking online that was really hard. I'm like, no one else is going to celebrate a C except Tiny Victories podcast. <laughs> um, but I love that. I love that it, it, it you know, that this uh, practice that I was doing basically as a survival tool. Totally. Uh, can speak to other people and every week we get calls and, I just, it just does something to, it just gives me what I call a brain gasm, which is the opposite of cancer brain. It just gives me this very pristine joy, very brief, you know, it's not going to solve right. the world problems. No one's taking right. a headline out about it, but I, I love it and I love sharing it. And we, we drop new episodes. So tiny victories podcast. If this is something that you feel and you're listening and you feel you need in your life, come and listen where we, we, we have a really good time doing it for that reason, because it's a practice for us as well. And it's all about cultivating this, this thing that I, I feel is so one of the ways that, you know, this cancer crap has changed my life. And it's not a gift. This is in no way a gift, but there is a silver lining for me in that it has refocused that for me. I would rather not have this cancer and refocus on this anyway. So there's no, anyone who tells me cancer is a gift, I- Oh, don't you want to shove that gift where the sun don't shine? Also, I also really, I've always railed against the phrase like, uh, what is it that um, everything happens for a reason? reason no, right. no, no, do not, no, do not tell me that. And, and I know that people who say that have had things happen that would defy mm -hmm. that, but they feel that there's going to be a reason in the future. No, no. Do you know, do you know Kate Bowler? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, her new book just came out. Everything. I think it's, oh, no, no cure for being human. Oh, I, I, I only have the everything happens for a reason. Yeah. yeah and other lies I've told myself. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I, 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 you know, speaking of books, 
Um, I did finish uh, your most recent book, You're Leaving When. You said that you're writing now. Yeah. You're working on your next book? Well, I'm always writing. I'm Right now, I'm adapting a story from You're Leaving When as a pilot for HBO. That's the story about taking in the unhoused couple as part of a um, program in Los Angeles. And it's actually all over the country now called the Host Home Program, which is a supportive housing program where you house unhoused youth in extra bedrooms. I fell into this program and it really changed my life. It really opened up my heart and it, it also showed me how I had unconscious bias and otherizations towards the people who are experiencing homelessness in America. And um, it was such a great experience. I included that story in the book and then I'm adapting that now. And then I'm always writing articles for different uh, outlets. And I am thinking about writing a book about this um, living with cancer. And my, my working title is, I'm sorry, I don't look sick enough for you. Uh, that's, a, that's a good one because it's so funny like you know if you put the photo of you next to an image of me I have no hair um I microbladed my fake eyebrows on the face um and I have a giant scar that goes basically from the center of my forehead all the way back which shows like I've been through some shit um, you, on the other hand, have dewy skin, you have hair, plenty of it, you, to, to an outsider, look super healthy, right? And yet we both have stage four cancer, you're in a sounds like a stable state, which I'm very jealous of right now, because I am, I am not, but it's just like a great lesson that you never know what people are going through, right? That we are icebergs and you only see the top. You have no idea how much is going on underneath. And although people can look at me and be like, oh, wow, like she's clearly sick. Someone could look at you and go, well, she's clearly not. Just because of the fact that you have hair. We make assumptions about people's lives, you know, on social media that looks so great. We're, we're not, we, we don't know what we're seeing. Looks are very deceiving and um, in, in both health issues. And it's a, it's honestly a very broad issue in, you know, society in general of how looks are deceiving, but it, it is really um, uh, for me, uh, what I'm interested in is this uh, walking this, road and trying to figure out present living versus planning for the future. You know, making peace with impermanence is, or I, you know, I don't know that there's peace. I mean, I guess if you're the Buddha, but you know, but, but like, uh, let's say having a dialogue, which sounds so pretentious, I'm in conversation with impermanence, but I really am. So, you know, this is, this is uh, just as a little wake-up call. Uh, uh, the day that I got this news about my recent scan, because I was having some increased coughing, and I was really worried. 
So I go in, I get this scan, and unbelievable, it is stable. I'm so grateful. So I'm so excited. I go home. I uh, tell my friend, who's my very dear friend, that I want to give Frank a call. Frank is the guy who set me up with this doctor. I got to call his ex-wife, who's my friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Frank died the day that I got my scan. Hmm. So, you know, that was a wake up call. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, that's how I ended up buying a pair of $500 boots. I'm not proud of that. Allison. (laughs) You know what? We're all just doing the best we can with the resources we have. Yeah. You know what? You're doing great. Boots and all. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to be wearing these boots for the rest of my life now because that's the only pair of shoes I can ever afford to buy. That's it. You've used up your quota of ridiculously expensive shoes. That's it. Really? I've Mm -hmm. I've checked that off my list. But, you know, it's really interesting. Allison, I wonder what you think about this. So people's reaction to your diagnosis and your reaction may be very different. And and the expectations people have. So for instance, right? I, the minute I got vaccinated, 14 days passed on the 15th day, I got on a plane to New York because uh, some of my closest friends live in New York. And um, I'm with my friend, Tanya, one of my dearest friends. She said to me, are you on the bucket list? Are, are you do? is this like, are we having this meetup? Is this like a bucket list thing? How, what's your prognosis these days? I said, you know, um, I don't know. This could be a bucket list thing. This could be, I, I just, you know, I, I live with a lot of uncertainty. I don't think so. I think you're going to, I'm going to be annoying you for quite a while to come, but, uh, I, we haven't seen each other in a year, and I'm not going to let another year, another day, actually, go by without seeing you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she said, uh, and I love her, and now I, I, I love her so much, and I know she said this with only the best intention. She said, well, what is on your bucket list? And I said, well, you know, I'm not really doing this bucket list thing. But to be honest, if there was a bucket list, at least right now, my bucket list is this it's just to see my friends and family Mm -hmm. that i love and sit here we were on the upper west side Mm -hmm. eating mulfrit uh um, (laughs) you know uh uh, mussels and french fries Mm -hmm. And, and, and it was spring it was spring it was may and the trees these flowers were coming down from the trees and so there was a breeze that was the light was hitting the, the, the flowers as they were floating through the air and we're drinking wine and we're eating mulfreets and we're together. And I said, I don't, I don't know. Does it get any better than this? This mm-hmm. is it. And she said, well, I really want you to have like belly laughs. And I want you to, what about the Like, don't you want to travel to like China and eat your way across the country or wherever? And I was like, well, I 
guess so. But, you know, so that brought up this idea of other people's expectations and said with the best intentions, by the way, mm-hmm. of what you should be doing with your time right now. Right. And you don't know until you're in that position. And even when you're in that position, you maybe don't know. And you're trying to negotiate that every day. And it's going to look different for everybody. Yep. And it's funny when you have to challenge yourself and let go of those expectations, because it also teaches you how many expectations you have of other people and what they're doing, you know? Right. And I, I, I find that really interesting that other people have so many expectations of how I should be spending my time. Yeah. And you're like, I thought, is it my life? I think it's my life. And you're my friend. And, you know, yeah, I think it's really hard throughout all of this to allow, especially those that we trust and we care about and we love, who love us, giving them the freedom to move through their grief with the news of, you know, our diagnoses and to, to experience, to have their own experience. Right. To have the dignity you know? of their own experience and to have the yeah. dignity of your own experience. I decided I wanted to uh, share this publicly, particularly because during COVID, so many people were putting off going to the doctor. So I wanted to encourage people to pay attention to even small symptoms they might be happening. And I wanted to encourage family members who might have seen something. Mm-hmm. So I decided to publish uh, the op-ed in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. First of all, um, many people thanked me for my honesty and my mm-hmm. dark humor. People with cancer, people living with cancer really appreciated like the dark humor of like, oh, for God's sakes, don't give me a fucking juicer. People were sending yeah. me pictures of their abandoned <laughs> juicers, which mine's downstairs because I just went through my kitchen cabinets <laughs> yesterday and I was like, God, remember the juicing stage? <laughs> just, it's like I feel when like I first got diagnosed and I freaked out and I went yes. full vegan alkaline diet and like juicing and just I feel like, oh my God, I got cancer. Now you're sentencing me to pen to juicing penitentiary, juicing it's penitentiary. So exhausting. That's and very messy. exhausting and messy. And like, I could make a juice. Are you going to come over and clean it up for me? But again, like it's so well-intentioned, but people reached out, strangers reached out. Then, and then everyone I've ever met in my entire life reached out like someone who felt me up in seventh grade at someone's bar mitzvah, like, Oh "Oh my God, you know, like people reached out, but also well-meaning. And then readers of mine or people who've seen me on TV. It was so overwhelming. I had to put on like my vacation. Uh, I'm away from my desk on my email, like for, I just took it off like a couple months ago because it was just, and yet, I, I mean, and so kind. It was, but the amount of love that even came my way was overwhelming. Just yeah. com- completely. Also, also things like this, like a, from a friend. Hey, listen, I've got a friend 
who's got this machine in his uh, garage in Topanga, and it emits frequencies that might be doing something for cancer. I'm like, I wouldn't even go on a date with this guy <laughs> if it was on like Tinder. I'm going to trust my health. To, you you know a guy in a garage in Topanga? Yeah, in Topanga. That's a good one. That also could be the name of the next book. Oh, uh, I know. It's so funny. I know a guy in a garage in Topanga. <laughs> just you like- can have that one. Oh my gosh. Annabelle, anything else about the book, about the Tiny Victories podcast that you want to make sure our listeners here at No Time to Waste know? Because, you know, it's called You're Leaving When Adventures and Adventures in Downward Mobility by Annabelle Gerwich. I would highly recommend it as basically it's just a fantastic break from the day to day. It's like literally laugh out loud funny. Um, and for anybody that, that wants an escape from their own life, um, cancer, not even included in the book. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. The inciting incident in that book that really set me off wasn't really my divorce. Wasn't really losing my health care. Wasn't losing a bunch of jobs that I did that it wasn't taking in borders. It was when I had an emotional meltdown because of all that stress on the public tennis courts in Van Nuys and got banned for life from the public tennis courts in Van Nuys. So if you want a series of stories that starts out with a really embarrassingly low moment in suburban America, you, you want my book. <laughs> and there it is, everyone. You're leaving when? Adventures in Downward Mobility. What'd you think of the episode? If you liked it, I would really appreciate it if you went on Apple Podcasts and left like a one sentence review. You'd be amazed at how that can help introduce the No Time to Waste podcast to new audiences. I really appreciate it.